2: This is a crowd podcast.
0: This episode is sponsored by Daniel Hutt. Daniel has done karaoke twice and went for Elton John's Your Song and David Bowie's Space Oddity. To be more like Daniel, go to patreon.com and search for Joe Marlis Show and grow the show. You're listening to The Marlis Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast fool you listen anywhere you go.
1: The Joe Marler Show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are gathered here today to welcome you to our show. I'm Joe Marla and this is Tom for Dice. Hello.
0: Hello. So- You sounded spookily like some sort of man of the cloth. Like, I don't know, not quite a priest, definitely not a nun, but somewhere, not the Pope, not a bishop. You sounded like a vicar.
1: Well, I'm just trying to get into the mind of a vicar. I'm really interested in this one, this topic. When I told Daisy, we're going to get a vicar on and I'm going to speak to a vicar, she rolled her eyes and she put her head in her hands. And she said, oh, God, please, please don't say anything stupid because I have regular arguments slash discussions with my seven-year-old son about the validity of God and mm. all the stories in the Bible. He's at Church of England school and he's brought up with all the various stories like you probably were brought. You were brought up in a Catholic school, were you, Tom? Yes, I was. So, yeah, she just gave me a, a big warning of please, please just... Go in with an open mind and don't go aggressive hard just because you don't believe in God. Yeah, why
0: not, Joe? Um, Steve has built him up as one of the great vicars of this nation uh, Mm and has used the phrase, he's a great man, which should be good. (laughs) Obviously, he's not, as far as I'm aware, at least not in his public-facing life, he's not a dominatrix. And we did have some discussion about getting a dominatrix on. Apparently, that may happen in the future week. In the meantime, Joe, I think we should both take pride from the fact that this is surely the only podcast out of the 1.2 billion podcasts currently being
1: made <laughs> that could feature a tree surgeon, a vicar, and a dominatrix. Wow, we are breaking ground. Is that even the same? No, are we? Are we breaking the ground? Why does breaking the ground? So, why is being groundbreaking so impressive? All these sayings—it's like the bullshit. Did we ever get anyone to come back to us with? ball of shit. And or horse shit. That was the other one. Why is it why is it bullshit or horse shit or or crock of shit? Let's not get into shit again. Let's go back to the groundbreaking things. We are groundbreakers. We are pioneers. They they say that we're the we're the Mark Twains of the <laughs> to twenties do we say the twenties because
0: well, I think you 're allowed to reuse it on the basis that there aren 't that many people who were familiar with the 1920 s who will also be around in the these twenties
1: we start it now, we start
0: using the twenties we just reuse it. do you think Joe at any point as lockdown continues, hopefully to be eased, we could get our three guests as discussed there in one room because I would love to be around the same table in a pub, mainly as you but also a tree surgeon, a vicar. And a dominatrix.
1: We'll have to ask when we do get one on whether dominatrix can dress up as a vicar with <laughs> with a chainsaw. That's the kinkiest dominatrix session I want to get amongst. That's that's what I'm doing this show for, really.
0: And I would like to think that if we were to get vicar, tree surgeon, and dominatrix around a table in a pub, they could find common ground. Let's say conversation had got a little bit stilted. Like I've popped a bar to get the drinks. A bit of a silence has fallen around the table and you're looking at the tree surgeon Gareth is scratching his beard the vicar is looking at his feet and the dominatrix is doing whatever dominatrix is do how are you breaking the ice in that scenario
1: I'd probably fart And see which one breaks first. Do you know what I mean? See see how they judge me. And then sort of go semi-aggressive. Be like, oh, what? You two don't fart, do you? Oh, what? Just because you're like a a preacher of the Lord. You don't like have these puffs come out your butthole. And (laughs) you, your dominatrix. Of course, you like farting. You like...
2: I don't know what I'd do.
1: I'd just get bright red. I've just come back from the bar and I'm holding a
0: tray... I've got five drinks and I've got an array of bar snacks. I've got three different flavours of Christmas and peanuts. And i come back to find you. You're shouting at our three guests about,
1: about breaking wind. I love how you've resorted to calling it breaking wind. That's so middle class. <laughs> you've changed. And I. It, what amazes me is we've been doing this six months now. <laughs> this is where we're at. This is where we're at. We should be a well-oiled machine. We are sat... Fucking not in person, which pisses me off, Uh, but, you know, needs must. We're sat talking to each other about the potential of a dominatrix farting in front of a vicar and them (laughs) arguing about it with a bloke with a chainsaw at a bar. This is not where I saw this show going, but I love it nonetheless. But there is good news, Joe. There's new merchandise.
0: There is new merch available at joemarla.co.uk forward slash shop. And that merch, Joe is some charming mugs and some absolutely rakish T-shirts.
1: Why not treat yourself for our sixth month anniversary? Oh, I'm so glad you brought up the merchandise, Tom, especially pleasing when you used merch instead of merchandise, which is a bit weird. And in case you can't tell, I'm not over the moon by the merchandise because... I don't like the idea of my face being on a mug and a T-shirt and for people to buy it. It's weird. Moving on from the subject of mugs, Joe, as the weather gets warmer and the
0: evenings get lighter, we are, of course, in barbecue season. Not particularly exciting for those of us like myself who don't eat meat, but for you, it's big news. Two questions. Number one, top meat. Second question, top where preparing said meat for the
1: barbecue. Baby back, baby back, baby back. Ribs. Um, I'm a rib man. I love slow cooking ribs on my Kamado Joe. That is a plug. It's my favourite bit of kit. I can't stop cooking shit out on it.
0: Is it powered by gas or is it powered by some other form of fuel?
1: No, it's powered by the, the charcoal version of fuel.
0: I'm glad you said that. Look, I know there are people who claim that it's barbecuing if you do it outside, but it's basically a cooker. That it just happens to be outside. The fact you said charcoal warms my heart.
1: Yes, and it would also warm the meat, uh, which is a very bad joke. But I'm a rib man. I like my ribs. I like the slow cooked spare ribs, baby back ribs, just off the bone, melt in your mouth. Ush. And I know this isn't sending blood. To various places in your body because you're not a big meat fan. However, I do cook a very nice prawn, mm. prawn skewers. Uh, yeah. I've cooked a lovely bit of salmon on there, salmon uh, for my wife, um, if that tickles your fancy.
0: Yeah, very much. What sort of, I know this is a stupid question, but it's been so long since I partook of flesh. Where, where are the ribs from? What animal are the ribs from? Pork. They're from the pork. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got <it. laughs> That shouldn't have what am I laughing for? It, it, that sounds bad now. I said yeah, they're they're from the pork. They're from they're pork ribs. They're pig ribs.
0: Why is why is the rib of the pork tastier than the rib, for example,
1: of the steak? Uh I'm guessing the fat. Is it? Yeah, you render the fat. I'm not a barbecue expert, but you render the fat more with a pig because (laughs) I've got a little bit more to it. Do you know what I mean? Same with if I was going for a steak, I'd always go for a ribeye. Oh, my God, I love the fat that marbles through it. I'm sorry if we've lost any vegan listeners (laughs) or vegetarian listeners. I am sorry, but I can't help it. If it makes any difference to you, my wife is a vegetarian. Does that balance things out sort of? It does, Joe, perfectly, and I
0: continue to dream of the day when our friendship-slash-work relationship has developed to the point where, without any need for me and Steve to fish for it, then you just throw out an invitation to one of these extraordinary barbecues over your charcoal flames, and we can gather round, and uh, you can do me some halloumi and prawns on skewers. That would be a lovely touch. But I guess even by saying that, I have fished for the invitation.
1: Your your relentless attempt at these horrible... Dad jokes, week in, week out, (laughs) keep me going. They keep me going. I love it so hard. I love how bad they are, but I love, because they're so bad,
0: I love it. Well, Joe, I've got even more good news. You'll remember very fondly, as I do, BJ Edwards, who was our guest from the About Being
1: Blind episode. One of my favourite episodes, that. BJ is an absolute legend. So BJ has got a new book out. He has written a novel. It's called The Devil's Shadow. I'm told, Joe, it's a fast-paced supernatural thriller. Would you like the synopsis? I do want the synopsis, but I'm going to read it out, Tom, and I'm going to read it out off the cuff. I haven't read it yet, so here we go. In a vault beneath the Mediterranean Sea, a creature from myth and folklore sleeps. Government agents... De fucking Duff thats not in it, but I've misread uh, it. Government agents David Coswell and Hannah Martin join forces to find and study the creature with the hopes of harnessing its power for their country's good. Think there needed to be a comma in there because I was running out of breath, but I don't know whether that's just because I run out of breath really easily. Back to it. Accidentally, they release the creature and london is plunged into chaos <gasps> lawlessness and hedonism what's hedonism good times hedonism. hedonism crazy times lawlessness and hedonism am i saying it right yeah hedo hado okay lawlessness and hedonism spread hedonism that's not a word okay. hedonism is drinking
0: partying going crazy some people would say negatively joe Let's just say hedonism is good
1: times. Okay. Lawlessness and hedonism spread as the Lord of the Flies regains his strength and uses violence and fear to build his new kingdom. Dun, dun, dun! Um, now, I may have read that out in what some may describe as a piss-take voice. I would just describe it as my best attempt at being dramatic. In fact, it was, it was my second best attempt at being dramatic. However, that is not me mocking BJ's book or his synopsis of it, that actually sounds really interesting. And I would plore, is it plore? No. Implore. (laughs) And I would implore anyone who's into reading books to go out there and buy BJ Edwards' book, please. Joe, we've also had a message from Rachel. Rachel says, hi, loving the podcast. I've just
0: finished episode two about the zookeeper, where you talk about someone breaking their coccyx before their GCSEs and how they had to sit on a ring. Here's my story. In 2003, giving birth to our daughter, I'm in the pushing stage when she suddenly got stuck. Unbeknown to me, the doctor and the nurses, my coccyx was sticking up, so her head got stuck. From the bottom of the bed, I hear the doctor say, I'm going in. Ah, oh, it's your coccyx. Uh, I'm moving it, I'm moving it. Then, crack. Oh, I've broken it. Just like that... Just like that, outshot our beautiful baby girl. I had to sit on a rubber ring for 13 weeks. Our daughter is turning 18 this year, and I take great pride in retelling my broken backstory. Keep up the great work. Take care, Rachel. Single kiss.
1: Oh, God. Oh, But, no, if you're only episode two into the joe marler show then please keep in touch and let us know what you think of more episodes going forward please just with less twitchy bum stories thanks oh the thought of cracking your coccyx ah bad what's the worst thing you've cracked (laughs) joe let's get a vicar on before this gets bad
0: Patron shout-out time, Joe. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Matt Turnip Williams. Matt's favourite vegetable is, guess what, the turnip. And his duvet is a 4.5 tog.
1: We're also sponsored by Dave Southworth, whose star sign is Libra.
0: And Elliot, he always phones home, Matthews.
1: A few more official sponsors. Hello to Charlotte Watts, Ollie Soundy... And Josh Buckley. I loved it when you sang Hallelujah.
0: All is fair in love and war.
1: It's Matthew Fair's. And we're also sponsored by... Benner's. Peter Bennett. Thank you. Benner's.
0: <laughs> to be more like Peter, Matthew, Josh, Ollie, Charlotte, Dave and Matt, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Marley Show
1: and grow the show. you got to grow the show for us, please. Today. Our guest is a vicar, and he's a listener to the show. Oh no, oh no! A vicar listens to this show. This, oh, I've got to be very careful what I say here. Hello, Tim Sudworth. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. You know the swear words in the Bible, don't you? Fuck off. Where? where okay, <laughs> we'll get we'll get onto that. That's not one of them. <laughs> no, there is. We just don't translate them as such.
0: Can I start off with a very obvious question? But when. Steve told us you were coming on. Mm. Um, my first thought was, you have possibly the most vicar name I have ever heard. Have I? <laughs> what? Tim. What do you mean? <laughs> I just think it's a great name for a vicar.
2: I mean, nobody calls me Father Tim. They just call me Tim.
1: Oh, yeah. People call you Father, don't they? You're a father. Are you an actual father?
2: As well, I'm an actual father of four kids. Yeah, but um, people do to try and wind me up, kind of call me Father Tim. It's almost like a joke because I don't wear my dog collar that often.
1: You've got an Iron Maiden T-shirt
2: on. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm into heavy metal, so (laughs) I still pretend I play rugby as well. I'm in a vets team in Ealing. Oh yeah, what position? I'm second row. Oh
0: yeah. So you you're a unit then? What sort of say? Are you a mobile second row?
2: I'm just a, a lumpy. 50-year-old second row who still thinks I'll get a call at some point to go and play for England.
1: Well, mate, stranger things have happened. There's <laughs> lots of imposters that have played for England over the over the years. <clears throat> yeah. Not mentioning any names, but there's definitely no, a chance. None at all. I need to just clarify some stuff here because mm-hmm. you're a listener to the show, so you might have heard that I've got some trust issues, particularly with Tom and Steve. Now, you've, you've turned up You've got an Iron Maiden Mm -hmm. T-shirt on. Mm -hmm. You look pretty stereotypically nails, you know, shaved head, pretty hard. You've told me you've got four kids. Therefore, you've done some things in order to make them. And you play rugby. These things are starting to add up as if to be like, you're not a real vicar. And we've just gone, we're going to get Tim in to act like a vicar and pretend thingy. So you're a legit vicar.
2: I'm a legit vicar. I was thinking this might come up. And uh, I've got two things. The first one probably wouldn't illustrate the fact I'm a vicar. That's my dog collar, uh, which is basically yeah. a bit of plastic on a bit of elastic. Uh, but the second thing, I'll just go here, is I've got my cassock. And I know it, I could be a cosplay neo dress-up <laughs> thing, but... That, it would be a weird
0: my... cosplay role to have, wouldn't it, Vicar? Usually it's like <laughs> sort of characters
2: from Star Wars or it, something. It's a limited audience cosplay, yeah. But it, I, I got ordained about 10 years ago. And uh, the, a lot of our family are vicars. My dad, my brother, my great-uncle. My granddad got thrown out of theological college for being too outspoken. And my eldest son is looking at ordination. So short of uh, we could do a communion service together, I could do a, a Bible study for you, I couldn't really prove it.
1: You've got an Iron Maiden t shirt on. You said you're into heavy metal.
2: We like to show ourselves as being more kind of folk rock kind of stuff rather than the kind of him, what people will see as a him sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great phrase. A him sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> him, somebody talks. Him, somebody talks. Him, somebody talks. All go home.
0: Tim, can you just hold your dog collar up to your. Ah, okay. So what we can see is. It's just black elastic.
2: It is, and I mean that I did that myself because the the normal kind of dog collar does tie at the back and has got like a press stud on it, and the, the vicar shirts are really horrible to wear. So basically, when I do wear it, I just wear a normal shirt you get from Marks and Spencers or something. I've not got a small neck, and the uh, the designs of the clergy <laughs> shirts are really uncomfortable. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is there a difference between the dog collar worn by a Catholic priest or a Methodist minister?
2: There is a difference between a Catholic priest and a Church of England priest. I'm Church of England. But to all intents and purposes, the physical dog collar, it's the same. They get better colours, don't they, in the Catholic
0: Church? <laughs> someone who's brought up in a, in a Catholic church <laughs> and spent an awful lot of time going to church against his
2: will to the age of 16. Yeah.
0: They're very big on the spectacular colour scheme.
2: They do like it, yeah. They do like the dressing up a lot a lot more than, than us Anglicans. Although there are some Anglicans who do, do a bit addressing up.
1: Catholics are like the biggest gang on earth, aren't
2: they? They're like the real <laughs> OCG. H is a Catholic priest sat on a desk yeah. somewhere, yeah.
1: Um I, I'd like to ask about self flagellation. Is that something that still goes on? Who does self flagellation? I just like saying self flagellation.
2: it's the type of thing that it will be definitely a catholic practice but it's a catholic practice that probably is in left somewhere in history that only a few one or two people uh, are into nowadays
1: basically any of my knowledge of anything is based on films and tv which is appalling really but i remember watching uh the da vinci code and silas the ghost He would whip himself with this thing every night. And I'd be like, what? That confuses the, the hell out of me.
2: The thinking behind it is that you're trying to control your carnal desires and that's where it comes from. So that there was a, an ancient church father, who, whose name escapes me, so like a thousand years ago, who used to, when he had lustful thoughts, used to run and roll in nettles and sit naked. And, <laughs> <laughs> and So that would be his way of dealing with his lustful desires that used to come to his mind at night.
0: The difficult thing with that is, we're assuming that in his era, he's obviously living in a rural environment. If If when I had a saucy thought in the middle of the day, I had to find some nettles to roll in. (laughs) I mean, it would take me for ages. I'd be running up and down the street in a state of undress and possibly arousal looking for the nettles. I need to be worse. I might as well just do the other thing that I'm not going to talk about.
1: The other issue with that, though, Tom, is that these days people actually use nettles to do the act anyway in to do said act i mean i would actually usually i would usually just come out with it and say masturbate or wank but i feel really uncomfortable saying those words in front of the father here
2: anyway back to the matter in hand
1: <laughs> is there can i ask a semi-serious question is there anything in the
0: bible which forbades the words that I now can't say because I'm also... Masturbation.
2: Masturbation. Oh, God.
1: Oh, I don't know how I feel about the father saying that word.
2: Don't make <laughs> him say it. Um, there isn't, as such, there's a spurious verse in the old testament that has been uh used in the past where i can't remember the character's name who spilt his semen on the ground and that is seen as a kind of a bad thing but actually uh it's more to do with the kind of the thoughts that go with the practice rather than the act itself Although it's, that's
0: a bit like sort of having a cart without a donkey isn't it like how do you do the second thing without the thoughts oh there you go yeah <laughs> So we've taken a side route here, Joe, haven't we? Would you like to pick up,
1: take us in a different direction?
2: (laughs) Oh, fucking hell.
1: (laughs) God, that's the worst. Oh, this is awful. Oh, stop it. Behave yourself. That is, in fact, no, sod it. Oh, God. Oh, every other word that comes out my mouth, I feel like is insulting Father Tim. I'm sorry, Father Tim, but you knew what you were getting into And I'm now going to stop (laughs) apologising and just going to go with it. But swear words, talk to me.
2: There is one in the Bible, but we don't translate it as a swear word. There is a Mm. passage uh, in the New Testament where Paul, who's one of the writers of this, was a letter. He kind of has this big build-up and he talks about how faith is so important to him that actually everything else, I count but nothing compared to my love of Christ. Okay? Now, (laughs) the, the Greek if you look because that's the language the letter was originally written in literally translates as dog shit <laughs> and so literally he really? everything else compared to his faith is dog shit but when they tra- but when they translated it in the in the bible they, they translate the bible by committee in I think 1662 when they translate it originally into english and so they all sat around and obviously went oh no no, no we can't we, we, we can't have the word shit in the bible uh it has to be something else and so and that's basically the kind of the, the translation issue that goes all the way through the bible when you know, the left-hand, the Old Testament, left-hand side of the Bible is Hebrew, and the right-hand side is Greek, is that you're translating something. So you've got to have some agreement, because words work differently in different languages. So we translate it, everything else I count but nothing, compared to my love of Christ. Can I ask one more? I don't want to get too stuck in theological debates here, but
0: that's <laughs> always puzzled me. But there are four Gospels. Mm-hmm and sometimes there's not much overlap between the different gospels Mm -hmm. and am i right in thinking that some of the gospels were passed down through an oral tradition and was one of them written
2: considerably after the event Cool, you're bringing a lot of knowledge to the (laughs) table here
0: (laughs) so how do we work out so we've got these four different versions of something which happened. how do we
2: steer our way through this OK, the rather kind of superficial answer is that you have four newspapers that are trying to do coverage as to what happened to do with the, the new European premiership football thing. You'll get four different views, you'll get four different stories that are from four different perspectives, depending on which paper you use. So on a very superficial level, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are four different newspapers covering uh, the same issue f- from different perspectives, different times and different angles. Uh, whereas Mark's Gospels are very short and very pithy. It's like the Daily Mirror, and it starts with "Jesus came to save everybody." Big headline. Whereas actually, John's gospel is really weird and kind of reflective, and he goes in different angles. So that's in a very superficial level. Why you end up with four gospels? There is a bit of overlap, and there is a theory. There is another source they got stuff from that is lost.
1: Why are the names so simple? Why were the disciples not, like, more imaginative with their names? Where's the Romeos? Where's the Theodores?
2: At the end of the day, they were just local people, and some of them fishermen, and they had just normal names. Yeah, you'd think with coming up with an idea of working with the Son of God, you'd come up with better names than that, but they were just normal people.
1: Interestingly enough, my son and my daughter both go to a Church of England primary school because... I don't know many primary schools that aren't Church of England or affiliated somehow to a church. And me and Jasper, my seven-year-old, often have religious debates because I'm a non-believer and him going to school and taught using the Bible and different stories, uh, he is a believer. Occasionally he'll he'll hear me say, oh, for God's sake. And he'll go, oh, I didn't think you believed in God. I was like, oh, it's a turn of phrase, but okay, if you (laughs) want to get into it, that's fine. I, I don't want to stop him from believing. I want to give him the options. So I'm not ramming down my ideas on down his throat of, of what I believe or don't believe. But I say to him, you've got as much proof that there is a God than I have that there isn't a God. And that confuses him. So I try to bamboozle a seven-year-old to make myself feel better about whether it's true or not.
2: There is categorical proof that Jesus existed. And mm. that actually, you know, throughout, that there is non-biblical accounts of this character Jesus. Um, and there's a guy called Josephus who described this uh, character called Jesus who had many followers and did, by all accounts, many miraculous things. And there's, I, I think there's about five or six historical references to Jesus existing. But the, the acute question comes as to, well, what do we think about what he said about himself? You know, people say, oh, he never existed. He, he did. The, the important thing is, do you believe in what he said and then what he did and what should you do about
1: it? But who who are the guys or girls, probably guys, that wrote those stories about him? So that you say historical facts, but if they're written by people who decide, oh, we want to invent this idea of a religion, they're going to write that he did do these wonderful things. But do you know what I mean? There's no, yeah. there's no real no. proof unless we had video or we can go back in time to actually go, oh, that actually did happen.
2: There is a, a historian who was uh, a Jew in the first century called Josephus who wouldn't have a kind of self-interest to actually make it out to be true. So we have historical people who aren't in the Bible, who aren't Christians, writing accounts about this character called Jesus. There is still a guy called Josephus, a guy called Tacitus. There's documents called the Talmud that refer to Jesus. None of them Christian. But all of them point to the existence of a character who wandered around, had followers, and by all accounts did miraculous things. He did exist. Now, what did he say he did and what do we think about the accounts that are in the Bible?
1: Can you be a vicar and not believe in God?
2: (laughs) Um, I think technically you can because you you get ordained. So you go to a cathedral and the, the... the bishop lays hands on you and you get ordained. You could, I guess, have a crisis of faith and not then believe in God. That doesn't take away the fact that the bishop has ordained you. So it seems like I'm just playing with words, but I guess technically, yes, you could be a vicar that could doubt the existence of God. But then at the same time, surely you'd ask the question, well, why are you bothering? You know, go and get another job, teach RE or something. (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't supposed to be a derogatory to RE teachers, but...
1: (laughs) No, I get it. (laughs) Poor fucking RE teachers. But you could just lie through all your interview. Is there, like, interview processes? What's the pathway of... Did you start as a choir boy and work your way... What's the pathway to becoming a vicar? Like, is it like a career that goes on to something else? Do you dream of being the Pope one day?
2: The Pope is Catholic. oh bollocks this is this this uh,
1: is how fucking stupid i am and why any (laughs) lord would be like uh, even if he did believe i don't want him to believe in me actually i don't want him to be part of my godly army he's a fucking idiot
2: (laughs) jesus loves you joe it's just everybody else (laughs) yeah do you
1: have a career path
2: uh you could see it as a career path the the interview process basically takes about a year and a half of lots of different one-to-ones and interviews and then you go on a selection conference where you get more interviews and then you get sent to train to be a vicar at a university and so that takes about three years to do the training it's a degree like any other and then a trainee vicar is called a curate and then you do three or four years training on the job and then you get to run your own church after that so it takes about seven years in total before you can run a church
1: I need to ask some semi-controversial questions. and
2: What, worse than about talking about masturbation?
1: Well, that's quite a good, quite a good route into it. But um, in the past, I have been known to publicly criticise another rugby figure for his views mm-hmm. on homosexuals based on mm-hmm. his religious yep. views. Yep. And it's something I feel strongly about, something I feel passionate about as to what is the big deal with being gay. Why can't people be gay? Why, didn't, why doesn't the Lord like gays, basically?
2: Okay, in church circles, as in all circles, for every friendly face, there's always a bit of an idiot. And I think what is going on at the minute in the Church of England is there is quite a genuine discussion going on as to, look, how do we move forward when there is a traditional side of the church that wants to take bits of the Bible and hold to it and another bit of the church that wants to go but that was written thousands of years ago how can it be relevant to today and it's all around issues uh, on sexuality but the underlying thing is that actually God loves everybody and Jesus loves everybody including Joe when he sits in a van and swears he still loves him and actually (laughs) (laughs) and so when you come to the issues of sexuality there's a big Discussion going on. But then at the same time, you've always got idiots in the discussion that want to start throwing stuff and want to start making people out to be idiots. And so they tend to float to the top. And that's why, not wishing to blame the media on this, but actually, that's why the media gets hold of these characters and just stokes a fire. Whereas, actually, first and foremost, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And I just don't think slagging people off just because of their sexuality, it Does justice to that idea.
0: The way I try and think about this,
2: Joe, is let's say when I go and watch Wednesday,
0: who I've supported all my life and love to go and watch, and there will always be a bell end in the stand who just starts abusing a player or swearing his head off or saying stuff that you consider totally unacceptable. Yet he's still a Wednesday fan, and it doesn't mean that all Wednesday fans are idiots. And I think about that when I think about Margaret Court, one of the greatest tennis players of all time who is very much of the sort of, um, how would you describe this, Tim? If we sort of go past happy-clappy towards born again and then maybe go a little bit further, that's sort of quite extreme end of the spectrum, who is extremely homophobic. So I tend to think of it like that. You know, you'll have extremists, won't you? Yeah. In most environments. Yeah
2: sadly that is the discussion the church of england's having at the minute and let's face it the church of england moves with the speed of an iceberg it's not a swift moving thing <laughs> we need to give it time to realize and work through some ideas that actually in culture we've changed literally overnight
1: but right, this is I, I didn't want to get into i didn't want it to make i didn't fucking dickhead i'm not calling you a dickhead father sorry um <laughs> what happens is, is just i get tourettes on this it just happens it just fucking flows out of me I don't want to make this like a heavy religious debate, atheist versus vicar with Tom supplementing it with random historical facts <laughs> and knowledge, which blew my <laughs> mind. Thank you, Tom. But I will say this. I am a non-believer. I am an atheist. I really like how Ricky Gervais described it once, where he said there's approximately 3,000 gods in the world, different types of gods, that different religions and everything. fellow. And when they say, oh, you're a non-believer, you're an atheist, that's wrong. But he said, oh, hang on a minute, you as a Christian, you deny 2,999 other gods mm-hmm. and you believe in one God. Me as an atheist only denies one more God than you do. So I just, <laughs> I quite like that the way he talks about it. But I will say this about religion, it can be used as a massively positive thing Yeah, as a great guide to life so like I mentioned about Jasper with him learning about everything at school or different stories there's stories in that that are great tools to be able to use and teach kids different ways of even if I don't believe in the actual the Lord and the Father and the Holy Spirit aside of it. But the context of it all that can help me and Daisy as, as parents to then guide the kids over is, is brilliant. So I'll never deny it or judge people mm. for believing in God or, or believing in, in a religion. So I just wanted to get all of that heavy shit out the way. Let's get on to something lighter. Let's get on something a bit more fun. Um, okay. talk to me about farting during funerals. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> <laughs> no! weren't expecting that. No. And I think over the years, and like I said, all my family are vicars, we've garnered and gathered many a story around funerals and weddings that actually are very funny. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, in the society we're in, we don't talk about death. Grandma goes away to hospital and that's the last time we see her, whereas historically grandma died in the home and we we could see death. We could talk about death. And so actually stories about death aren't a bad thing. And um, when I was uh, I was training another curate and I was with a family who the dad of the family dying of brain cancer. And it was over a period of about two weeks where he was slowly, slowly dying. And so lots of sitting around, lots of praying, lots of just taking time out. My wife was kneeling by the bed and me and the curate were stood there and um, she'd just finished doing something. She, she went to get up and as she got up, let out the biggest fart you've ever heard. <laughs> and so to go from an environment where you're standing around waiting for someone to die, everybody burst out laughing, including the guy who was dying. It was probably one of the last... Points where he was cognitive, he just chuckled to himself. And actually, which is brilliant because, you know, bringing humor, story, talking about death, talking and celebrating someone's life is actually, I see a key part of who I am and what I do as a vicar. One of my uncles who did a, a funeral, he was just about to, it was, a, a, it was in Bolton, this old church, and he was basically just giving the blessing. It was a pseudo-mafia family. And basically this uh, matriarch of the family had died and the two brothers had fallen out. And, um, and the place was packed and my uncle was just about to give the blessing and there's a little button you press and the coffin disappears down the thing. He was just about to press a button. And this voice pipes up with, shouldn't be her in there, should be you, you effing oh. this, that and the other. Um, <laughs> and basically the, this kneeler got thrown across the room. And these two sides of the family start battering seven bells out of each other. And then all of a sudden, the police, apparently aware that this might happen turned up, ran in, all shields and truncheons, and the whole family turned on the place. So, you know, <laughs> you know if, you, if that was in Dibley, you will not believe it. But actually, <laughs> you know, these the situations are funny. We've had things happening at weddings that are funny. Let, let's talk about these things. Let's not hold back and talk about somebody who's gone off to another room. They've died. Let's celebrate their life. Let's remember them well.
0: This is the spectacular thing about your job, I guess, Tim. You are at all these defining points in people's lives, whether Mm. it's christenings or weddings or funerals. I guess several times a year you have conversations with engaged couples who would like to get married at your church. You know that they're probably not going to turn up at the church again, and they know they're not going to
2: turn (laughs) up at the church again.
0: So how do you just do that little dance where you pretend that it's not going to happen? (laughs)
2: Well, I think I, I used to do the little dance where I pretended where it didn't happen until I went, if you do get invited to the reception as the vicar, you get put on the odd relatives table, which, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the mad aunt and the, <laughs> the funny odd cousin. And so you get plonked on this table. And I was at one of these things and I was on the odd table and we're sat around and the conversation went that basically everybody around the table in some way had been hurt by the church and decided never to go again. And so (laughs) I took the, I mean, it was tragically sad and I took the opportunity just to apologize on behalf of the church for the behavior of some people. But then I came (laughs) away thinking, actually, I want to do something different with weddings i want it to be not just the thing you have to do before you go and get drunk at the reception i want to make it a big celebration i want to make it an event that they'll look back on and remember it well on the off chance that they might go you know if they have a crisis later on in life or if they have a kid and want to get baptized that they'll come back again and that relationship will be a good one and a strong one
1: yeah you've got this one wedding sermon that you say you churn out every time. <laughs> that's, that's your go-to. That's your specialty, is it? That's
2: Churn out. Um, the, <laughs> the reality is uh, the reality is, you're saying the stuff my eldest is saying to me now because he's getting married this August. Shout out to Jake and Hannah because uh, he's like, Dad, you're going to have to write a new one. You know this, don't you? Um, and I don't churn out. Basically, I start off with the idea that what has society got to say to us about love. And so I've got a track list of tragic songs that I then play through the church PA. And one of them is uh, Back For Good, take that. I Mm. guess it's time for you to give up. Bit of advice from, from Gary there, you've got to give up. And <laughs> uh, have a little patience. Oh, great bit of advice there for a potential couple getting married. And then uh, the JLS song, everybody in love, put your hands up. But what generally happens, because it used to church, nobody puts their hands up and waves their hands in the air if they're in love. And so I stop the music and go, well, there's got to be two people here who's got to put their hands up. Let's play it again. And there was, a, <laughs> there was a, a, basically an emo at a wedding. That I was doing and we got to the JLS bit I went come on everybody including the emo over there put your hands up and he's just oh there going. no, no. <laughs> looking really miserable <laughs> um and then I bring it in with basically quoting a 1950s housewife's guide to be a good wife and it, it's so sexist, it's outrageous. There's a line in it, when, when your husband comes back from work, put a bow in your hair and be a little gay. And, so, <laughs> and, it, and basically, I conclude, really has society got not much to say. And so basically, I use three words in the Bible that are in Hebrew for love, which basically mean friendship, love, intimate, sexual love. And brotherly love and explore the idea that actually weddings is about juggling and so my present to them and I I give them uh, I get some really nice uh, juggling balls. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and I know it's all about balls in the end and and I give them as a present juggling balls because actually when, when it comes down to it love is about juggling between those three different aspects of love and then we, we, we send them on their way and and I want it to be a celebration I want it to be more than just the functional thing that happens just before you go and get drunk
1: Tom you're not married yet are you? No And you're not really keen on getting married are you?
0: No I've been I've been with Murph for 13 years two
1: children bought a house together and you you two just see it as a as a piece of paper do you it's not really yeah, I do I
0: feel it feels rather much like the conversations that happen around the tea time table every <laughs> evening with Murph now Joe I thought this was my safe place <laughs> yeah it
1: is your safe place however I am going to put a little bit of pressure on you having heard Tim's Wedding sermon and the way he does things, I need you to get married at Tim's church and I (laughs) need to be invited because I want to be there to hear Tim's sermon. I just want that sounds absolutely incredible. The amount of weddings I've been to where you're like, oh, my (laughs) God, this is right. We need to get this out of the way. Do we go early doors and go at eleven yeah. to the pub? See if it opens. Get you're fighting over the baby. Just...
2: It's crying. I'll take the baby <laughs> out. It's all right. Yeah,
1: everyone's <laughs> just having a fag or something. Oh, aren't you meant to be in there? No, Christ. The, the vicar might as well be dead. Stood up there. He's fucking like ninety odd, and he's just boring the life out of everyone. He, he means well, but then you're like, oh, get it out of the way. We got the yours sounds incredible, Tim. Can I just come to your son's wedding? I've just self-invited myself,
2: but self. Yeah, you can come if you want. Self-made. I'm sure I'd be more than happy for you to come. Right, what was his name? Jake Sudworth.
1: Jake and Hannah, they're yep. getting married. When are they getting married?
2: Going to be th- probably third week in August.
1: Lovely, I'll make myself available. Well, may- maybe,
0: Joey, can both go along if we can go on yeah. the weirdo's table,
1: <laughs> like <you> just described. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I don't think we'd have a choice in that, Tom. What about any weddings that have gone wrong? Have you ever had anyone, like, storm the church and say, no, I was shagging him last night, he's my
2: man. Somebody, uh, trying to be discreet, somebody I know who's a vicar congratulated the bride on the day about being pregnant. Ooh. Oh. And she wasn't. Oh. <laughs> and that was from the front of church. Oh. And, it, <laughs> and I went, so how did the rest of the wedding go? And this person went, yeah, quickly. <sighs> so, aye, aye, aye. I was like, nightmare. <laughs>
0: What about the practicalities, Tim, of your job? So I know absolutely nothing about this. I've got questions like, who pays your wages? Mm
2: -hmm. How much do you get paid? Do you have set hours? (laughs) It's a weird one because technically I don't have a job. I receive what is called a stipend, uh, which is my pay um and from that because i get a stipend and i've not got a job i'm freed up to do kind of clergy things i, I pray a lot i read a lot i i meet people and clearly not in these times but I, I meet a lot of people pray for them talk through things uh, help them in their struggles whatever they're doing there's bits of lots of different types of job all in me from somebody who's a, like a middle manager through to somebody who who prays for people. And actually, that's kind of my job, really.
1: The first line you said was technically you don't have a job. And then the second line you said was, but I get paid by the church. And that kind of, to me, that sounds a lot like a job.
2: It is. Um, but the it, more older established clergy would wince at the idea of being told they've got a job or that yeah, they've got but a job all, description. They're on
1: mega bucks, though, aren't they? Like the bishop, surely the bishop is like...
2: A gazillionaire they get paid a bit more than me but you'll be shocked at how much they little they do get paid do you think
1: think they just get nicer rings then
2: yeah nicer jewelry a nice hat um their houses tend to be nicer they get a palace don't they some of them some of them get a palace apparently the nicest one is the bishop of bath and wells apparently that Mm. is a place to be Uh, yeah I've got a castle and apparently swans. Ah oh, well that's the touch of a castle isn't it. That is, you can yeah. have a castle
0: but a castle <laughs> with swans.
2: Roll up the drawbridge, I'm going to bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How much ostentatious wealth can you have so with your stipend. Mm-hmm. I imagine you are allowed a car but mm-hmm. is there a type of car that would be frowned upon? So for example people saw you tootling around Acton in a second hand estate, they'd be that's fine, Tim, you know, needs an estate, he's got things to carry on. Mm. If they saw you roaring round the streets of Acton in a Ferrari I imagine yeah. eyebrows would be raised.
2: And quite rightly so. I mean, we, all clergy, apart from bishops, get paid the same. It's not much. It's 20-something thousand a year, something like that. So the reality of me being able to afford a, a Ferrari is minimal. And so is it frowned upon? I think you've got to think about, actually, as a vicar, what do I want to be seen to be doing to be and to... In the world, and actually driving around in a Ferrari, even if I had the money, I'd probably struggle with the the ethics <laughs> of buying one. I'd like to think of having one, but I probably wouldn't even get around to it.
1: Actually think about doing it, but not committing the act. That tends yes. to be a running theme.
2: Take it out on a test drive.
1: Um, I play this game. In fact, I'm obsessed with this game at the minute called Perudo, also known as Lies Dice.
2: Never heard of it.
1: Okay, well, it's, it's basically a game where you have to predict... How many of a certain number of dice are on the table in this group, anyway? And you have to call it and you bid upwards. In you know, anyway, oh, I won't bore you with it. But a bit like bluff, yes. Yeah.
2: One of the calls the that we club, yeah. say on it
1: is Desmond, which is two twos. Yeah. Um, who is Desmond Tutu?
2: Desmond Tutu was was he Bishop of South Africa during the uh, apartheid regime?
1: Mm. Okay, so he's a legit person. It's not someone yes. we've
2: just made up for our game. No. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>
1: Is that the entirety of the question, Joe? That's it. Yeah, yeah really. I just wanted to get some clarification um, from someone who's actually in the business, whether I've just made up something about someone in the business. But And now that I have, it's not actually for the pod. It was for it was just for my own knowledge now that I can carry on. So that's a really shit question. So Steve, just take it out. It was mainly just for me. I should have said stop recording and I'll stop talking now. Carry on. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Tim.
0: Mm-hmm. When you were doing christenings, Is it hard sometimes when the child in question is given, frankly, a ludicrous name for you to keep a straight face?
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, A clergy friend of mine always used to struggle as well with the idea of... uh, Every uh, parent is very proud of their newborn and every parent thinks their child is wonderfully good-looking. And this colleague friend of mine really struggled when parents used to go, oh... Look at him! Isn't he beautiful? And when they clearly weren't, you're going, yes, he is. And, and so he he invented this phrase of, oh, what a baby! And so um, what a baby! Oh, what a baby! And they always used to go, oh, he is, isn't he? Um, and so it's kind of that 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 kind of struggle of silly names and ugly children is a real one. And yeah, it you've just got to bite your lip on these things.
1: I would struggle to actually not give them the truth because there aren't many babies in the world that look good when they're born anything younger than a month old they're awful we've got yeah, the cone head awful <laughs> dreadful i don't care how you dress it up at the time with all, all three of my kids i was every time i was like oh they're gorgeous oh it's amazing but it's mainly just because oh it's a human but if you break it down and you look back at the pictures of them now i go oh my god Why did I ever say, oh, what a cutie? Because they weren't. They were all butters.
2: Interestingly enough, given the church we are, we tend to do a lot of baptisms in, uh, we've got a pool, uh, like a baptism pool. So we kind of blow it up and fill it up and we we dunk people in it. Like a full immersion style A full immersion,
0: yeah. So you're you're up to your waist already, are you, in this pool? Yeah, yeah. And, you and then they s- fall back into your
2: arms. What you do is you put your foot behind their heel, and then uh, dump them. You trip them up, karate tri- style. Well, the thing is, if you don't, people put their leg out, and so if they if you go backwards with it, they put the leg out and hurt the knee. So you tell them you're going to do it, <laughs> and so you put the foot behind it. And the thing is, if you were baptised, if I was somebody like Joe, it'd be like you'd need an assistant. It, oh okay okay <laughs> yeah okay. no offense um, i'm glad
1: you said assistant and not like uh, a crane. forklift <laughs> yeah a cra- <laughs> good
2: um so yeah you, you don't come and lift them back up again my, my previous curate she uh was quite diminutive and she always struggled with the lifting them back up and so oh, always have somebody else in there who's
1: who's your boss like who who's your line manager is it, is it the Lord himself?
2: <laughs> no, there's a few middle managers in between. Uh, my, my line manager is a guy called Bishop Pete, Bishop Pete Broadbent. And then his line manager is Bishop Sarah, who's a Bishop of London. And then you have the Archbishop, who's Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury. I think
0: whatever line of work we're in, Tim, sometimes you can have this existential crisis thinking, mm-hmm. what the hell am I doing? So for Joe and I, every week I go to the upstairs bedroom, Joe goes to his van... And we generally talk absolute nonsense for about an hour and a half. And I very much enjoy it. But occasionally I find myself thinking, what am I doing as a way to spend my life? Mm -hmm. So do you in your line of work, and I don't mean this in any way as a criticism, I think it's probably just a human trait. Do you ever have the moments where you think, oh, my God, I'm not sure I believe as much as I did, or I've got a little bit of doubt
2: here? Mm -hmm. Uh, With all faith, there's doubt, because if it wasn't, it'd be truth. And so I have my doubts, I have my times where I, I question what on earth am I doing? Um, uh, and, uh, but that's part of the journey of faith is, is you, you walk through these times and coming out of them, you hopefully be in a better space and more confident. And part of my ministry is actually working with people who, you know, have that crisis of being in their bedroom doing some bizarre thing and then thinking, what on earth am I doing? And you talk it over and pray for them and meet them for coffee.
1: Tim, can I be a vicar? Like, I've done some pretty bad things in my life. Um, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done the worst things, but there've, there's been some bad ones. And uh, I'm going to say Tom's done some bad stuff, Is it some
2: bad stuff, <laughs> bad, bad stuff. I've, I've, I have but, done some bad
1: things, yeah. But me and Tom want to be vicars. I haven't spoken to you. Um, this is a role play, not real life. Having spoken to you today, you've uh, converted us and I want to, I want to become you, not you, you, I want to become one of you. I want to be a brethren. I want to be a vicar. I want to be a father. I want to be called father Joe. Can I do that? Even though I've sinned for the last 30 years of my life. Yeah, of course you can. How did you just absolve me of any wrong Like, I had sex before marriage, you know, loads of time. Such a player, aren't I? Uh, Anyway, please delete that. Fucking delete that, Steve. (laughs) So I can become a vicar, can I? i just one day turn around, all right, I'll be a vicar.
2: Part of the journey of faith and part of the journey of if you wanted to become a... A vicar is actually acknowledging that all of us have got a past and all of us have got a pathway that we've gone on. And actually looking back at it and going, actually, it's made me who I am today, but it actually in some cases I need to be penitent or repentant of that past. And to get to a point where actually I'm going to leave it behind and actually, a lot of Christians will talk about a thing called a testimony at a time where an over, overly sexualized lifestyle, drug use, uh, whatever. And actually, there are times where I think it's when we come to a point of being a vicar, you've got to go, and oh, actually, and I turned around from that, and I think I'm a better person now. So, yeah, of course you can. If we continued the play, I'd say, how about we meet up and have a chat about it?
1: The life after rugby dream continues.
0: I've got one final request, Tim. I Mm -hmm. know you have an excellent band Mm -hmm. at your church. Um, As you know, I've been solely responsible for the jingles for this show Mm -hmm. up to this point. I wonder, people say the devil's got the best tunes. I wonder if we can maybe prove that wrong and that you and your excellent band in the church could maybe come up with a fresh jingle for the Joe Marler show.
2: I'm sure we can do that, definitely. I will have a word with our worship pastor. He will be absolutely over the moon at the idea.
1: (laughs) On Joe Mahler's show. What absolute gent. He is not what I thought a vicar would be like. Well, he's definitely not like the vicars I've experienced who tend to be on their last legs and very good at boring the life out of people. He was fun. Young Iron Maiden t-shirt. Iron Maiden t-shirt and uh, even, even the spikier questions when I sort of questioned whether God was real and why the Bible doesn't like homosexuals. So I thought he came across really well. I enjoyed that one.
0: I'm also intrigued to see Joe if he follows up on his promise for the church band to bring us a new jingle for the show. In my head, I might be getting slightly carried away and picturing like a massive gospel choir. You're like sort of 40 strong.
1: Mm, I think you're getting carried away slightly, but uh, let's put the pressure on him and say publicly, so it's out there in the, in the public sphere, mm-hmm. that if he doesn't do a jingle for our show, he'll go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> too far, too far. I'm sorry. Do you know what, Joe? If people want to support the show, Have you got any idea what they could do? Oh, Tom, I could hazard a guess, but I'm not going to spoil it for you, so I'll let you continue.
0: Get a load of this, Joe. They could search for Joe show on Patreon. There, they might find our latest documentary club, which is all
1: about... It's all about Paul Simon and uh, his Graceland album. It's fantastic, actually.
0: Which I've now been banned from playing in the house because I've played it almost exclusively since we recorded Documentary Club. I
1: can't stop playing Paul Simon and Paul Weller over and over and over. Oh, and I quite like a bit of Donny Hathaway as well. Oh, now we're talking. His his version of um, He Ain't Heavy is <sighs> unbelievable. Honestly, it moved me to my soul.
0: I would say that Donny Hathaway might be the greatest male singer of all time.
2: Oh! <gasps> I know,
0: I know. Well, well, that needs some feedback. Wow, Tom's put it out there. In the meantime, Joe, if anyone would like another podcast to listen to, let me recommend the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. A podcast, Joe, so good, it now has its own cycling jersey. Oh, it's got its own merch as well. How much are you charging for that? It is a very reasonable, bearing in mind it's made by Castelli, who is top end, top end, and it was sort of designed by Sir Paul Smith in a roundabout way. And also, the cycling jerseys are very, very expensive. It's seventy-five pounds, Joe, but it's beautiful,
1: and I think it's worth every penny and indeed pound. Sorry, you seem you seem to have said the price really quickly, so I didn't really pick up on it. What what was the number you gave? Seven seventy-five. Seventy-five pounds. Fucking hell, Tom! You can buy seven and a half joe marler show mugs
0: yeah i mean i don't know if we do half mugs at the moment but well, certainly...
1: I, I, if you if, if you're listening to this uh, then i will definitely do half a mug for you <laughs> if you pay 75 pounds to buy seven and a half mugs i will personally cut up a mug in half don't know how i'll work it out probably Chism. with this like no that would chip it tom that's a suggestion it probably you know it would be like this jet of water that's so powerful that it cuts through it i've seen it before Anyway, please go to joemarler.co.uk forward slash shop. Sorry for interrupting that one. Oh. So it's not a problem. Um,
0: would you like to know who is on our next episode? I would, and I would like you to tell me, please. Joe, it's a boxer. Ding, ding.
2: Hey, how you doing? My name is Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the voice guy. And I just want to tell you about a new podcast called Death of a Film Star. It's from the makers of Death of a Rock Star, and it's really good. We've got episodes about Heath Ledger, Chadwick Boseman, Marilyn Monroe, and Robin Williams. You've seen them tell incredible stories, so now it's time for us to tell theirs. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Honestly, do it now. It'll be worth it.
0: Podcast Network.